I had all my rain gear with me, and it's and it's funny. So I'm like walking out there. I'm, I'm going out because you had the the shotgun rack off to the the right uh, the right uh, depending which side you're. But if you're walking yeah. to the booth on the right hand side, and there's Chase huddled up behind the shotguns. Hundred <laughs> percent. That was the only windbreak you had was like the the firing line table in the rag with yep. the guns. Like you could like kind of squeeze in there and shelter a little bit. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 100 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the true firearms culture. Today I have Chase Duffy from EAA on the podcast. And we're going to talk about the MC14T, the 2311, and the culture of SHOT Show. This is the behind the scenes stuff that you just don't get to know. Before we talk to Chase, it's time to pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by Falco holsters. Now, look, I really love my Falco holsters. I mean, look at that. That is a handmade leather holster. Now, what's great about these things is you can get them in about 10 days. You'll order them. They'll make them by hand and get them to you in about 10 days. They can make a holster for every gun, any budget, without sacrificing quality. Go check out Falco holsters and use the checkout code Banshee to save 10%. Now, this episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. If you don't have ammo, your gun's not really all that useful as a tool. What's great about Ammo Squared is you can kind of stockpile ammo at an off-site location. And you can do it by just a little bit of money each time. You can say, hey, take out 20 bucks out of my paycheck each week. And they're going to take that and you can put it into ammo. They'll store it. And what's great about that is, is that... You know, if you want to exchange, you know, 9mm for 45, no problem. They'll do it. They'll change that over and send you 45 instead of 9mm. You can pull that stuff out anytime. Check out Ammo Squared. I got a link down below. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Chase. Chase, tell me about your love of guns. Yeah, everybody. My name is Chase Duffy. I'm with European American Armory Corps. We are based in Cocoa, Florida, and we are your friendly neighborhood firearms importer for the industry. Import stuff from Turkey and Germany currently. What's funny wow. is the first time I ran into EAA was when I was in FFL, and I ran across these guns called the Witness. Oh, yeah. Right? And I'm just like, um, okay, what the hell is this, right? And then I got a couple in, and I was like, wow, these are, these are pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. That was my first introduction many, many moons ago, too, on the FFL side, on the retail side was, you know, the Tanfolio family. And yep. also, you know, they did Segas and they did the the bike haul stuff, all the Remington Spartan, all that stuff. All that was EA. It's funny because uh, I forgot you did come from the retail side because uh, yes. you were in the retail side the same time I was. Yeah. Um, I mean, how did you get from the retail side to working to for the importer so i ran the retail side for i was one particular store as a larger buy grant member for 10 years and i like like a lot of people you know you kind of look around and see what's out there and there were some industry jobs that popped up but nothing that really kind of lit my fire something i wanted to do or companies you just i didn't want to work for that kind of stuff and i was actually on vacation and a mutual friend of mine in the industry gives me a call and he's like hey there's a job that's open that you need to talk to. He's like, I'm giving your information. And that's how I got started. I was actually on vacation when I got the initial call about it. 
and it didn't, it was a literally for the initial call to start working was like a month. Wow. That was quick. It, it, was, it, went, it went pretty quick, <clears throat> but it was, you know, I moved from, you know, central Alabama to the, you know, Florida Atlantic coast. It didn't take much convincing to move to the beach. So that twist, twisted your arm the whole ride, right? It was terrible. I mean, where I'm from originally wasn't getting any better and opportunities down the road weren't getting any better. You know, and I, at the time I had a two-year-old who I didn't want to grow up in that town. And so yeah. timing was just right. It was just, it all worked out really well. It's almost like it was divine intervention. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And get now, out and then stay in the industry. Yeah, you get out of where you're out of a bad place, go into an industry, and then really, I mean, if you think about it, your career, that was a great move for your career. Oh, absolutely it was. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I'm still friends with some of those guys and some of the other guys used to work there work for other manufacturers or reps or whatever, you know. So there's a lot of that out there. It's just and that that tends to happen a lot in this industry. People who are really good on the retail side of it that's the guys that get picked up to become industry reps or go to work for the manufacturers that kind of stuff yeah that's where most of that comes from is somebody notices you in a store and they're like hey this person needs to like go do something bigger and better kind of thing <laughs> you see that's awesome because you know you think about you know the firearm industry is big but it's really yeah. kind of small at the same time right i mean you, everybody kind of knows each other. We, you know, we run into each other at, at trade shows. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know, I know one large company that has multiple brands. That one of those brands was not represented at, at Shot Show this year. Well, it was there, but they didn't have anybody in the booth because the marketing part they didn't have a marketing person for it. Yep. And then I was joking around with another marketing person I know. I'm like, oh, hey. Uh, it's so funny. This brand didn't have a uh, a rep because yeah, yeah, yeah. They they kind of they kind of tried to snag me from here. I'm like, no, I'm not moving. Yeah, and that goes well too. I mean, companies that see people who are good. I mean, that's pretty common in this industry. People trying to poach everybody because, like you're saying, it's everybody thinks like all these gun companies are these huge monstrosity corporate entities, and most of the firearms industry, even the big companies, they're not as people heavy as you would think yeah and it's a it's, it's a big industry but it's a small industry everybody knows everybody and if you don't know somebody directly i guarantee you you're tied to that person two one or two people removed basically like everybody yeah. knows everybody yeah it's um it's, it's funny because even on the content creator side we're the same way it's oh, yeah. like yeah we got we got our friends and it's just like hey does anybody know a somebody in xyz company and they're like oh yeah i know and then the, that's how introductions i mean oh, yeah. actually that's how i ran into you two yeah yep. uh, two years ago was it shot show mm -hmm. because of uh clover tack yeah don't make his head bigger than he already is though i know i know i try not to um no no i will tell you you are on the podcast before he ever got a chance to oh that's gonna really rub i see i gotta talk to him later tonight so there you, there you go. I might have to mention that just for fun. He's 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 coming on next month. Yeah. So I figured it was just kind of justice because he was pissed uh, two years ago at the EAA booth when I said when I said, "Hey, why don't you come on the podcast?" He's like, "Not until he comes on mine." <laughs> like he did do that. I do remember that. That was pretty good. Yeah, I was like, "Okay, uh, 
Yep. Note to self, wait yeah. a year. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't matter that much because I'm the last show he's doing for this part of the year. You know, I'll yeah, because he's got his. That's right, because he's got schedule. his uh, his first half of the season wrapping up soon. Yep. I was giving him a hard time. I was like, because I told him, I, I was like, I don't care, man. Whatever day works for you. <laughs> and then I realized his last show was May 4th. And I'm like, man, I should have jumped on that because they're Star Wars geeks. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. May, May the 4th be with you. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I know. It's, it, it's funny. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. May the 4th is a thing. It is. I mean... It can be guns, IT, hospitality. It doesn't matter. May the 4th is a thing. Oh, it's a thing. And like around here, because we live on the Space Coast, you know, yeah. that's what they call this area of Florida. And then, you know, Orlando is not far away. There's a lot of, a lot of Star Wars influence, you know, and just because of the space influence in general. But see, it's, see uh, I love it's that. Se- I, I love that section of Florida because uh, the internet out here that I have for, um, you know, out here in Montana is actually mm-hmm. Starlink, so yeah. I love it. I love it when Elon launches launches rockets because I get more bandwidth. It is. I mean, he trust me. He puts them up too. You know, it's just, yeah. I've, I don't want to say I'm jaded by launches, but you know, I do still watch them. You know, when I have a chance to watch the stuff, especially night launches, they're more fun to watch. But you start looking forward to all the big stuff now. You're like, oh, when's Falcon Heavy going? Because that's what you that's yeah. what I want to see. Yeah. You know, I was like the. Yeah. You see one, I mean, at one point last year, especially catching up from all some of the COVID madness, like they were putting up several yeah. a month. Well, they boy, they have they kept on breaking records. Yeah. Like the fastest turnaround of a rocket, um, like the most the amount, most amount of relaunches of the of the same rocket. And it's just like oh, yeah. every every month they were just breaking a new a new record. Yeah, some of those some of those boosters have like I, I was, the one that flew the other day had like thirteen launches on it previously already. Yeah, you know it's it's crazy. Crazy. It's cool. I mean, it's crazy way stuff. More economical, but that's because the government's not involved. Yeah, that's yeah, why. Right? Imagine that private enterprise figures out how to do something way more economical and not waste billions of dollars while they do it. Yeah. <laughs> but they did get a little involved with the um, the uh, the spaceship or starship. Starship, yeah. I mean, they're the involved Starship. with like, payloads well, on Falcons too, but no, obviously but they, they got driving. kind of involved. They got kind of involved when the thing kind of <laughs> started spinning in the air. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, they're to his credit, they're you know that company's really cool because they're so fluid in what they're able to do, and they can they can do stuff so much faster because they don't have nine thousand government contractors they're trying to buy, yeah. and if you don't have eighteen politicians involved who are all trying to get a kickback and. Yeah. yeah, that's NASA's problem. Is all that's why the, you know, the whole um, what are calling it the Starliner, the, yeah. you know, the Boeing crew system. Yeah, you know, I'm like, it's you look at it, and you're like, it's an Apollo capsule. They just put a more modern cockpit in. Yeah, and if you look at like the SpaceX, it's like super modern, sleek. It's all touchscreen. Their stuff looks like steam gauges from a 1980s fighter. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, uh... It, it, it's it's a Apollo capsule that's been steampunked. It is hundred um, percent. It's it, well, it's funny world. when you get it's funny when you get out of that whole uh, government contracting into private industry. You see a lot of a lot of drive mm-hmm. about things. It's like okay, well, we don't have this 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 stupid requirement. You know, yeah. 
we can do this thing. We can do this right. And what's funny where I'm kind of going with that is, is it kind of comes back into firearms as well. I was because segue into what we do. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, you know, when I was a when I was in high school, I lived in Northern Maryland, mm-hmm. and we had you know Aberdeen Proving Ground was only like a half hour away from my house. Oh yeah. And I remember my father going in and buying uh, a Beretta, you know, Beretta ninety two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you had the soldiers hanging around at, at the gun store and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I remember when we were testing those things here. Like, test- oh, yeah, that's right. Aberdeen. Everything goes through Aberdeen. Yeah. Yeah, you're- yeah, we remember the slides cracking and, you know, a soldier getting killed. Like, do I really want this gun? Right. Goes, no, no, no. Civilian, fine. Civilian version's fine <laughs> because you don't yeah. want the government version. <laughs> Lowest lowest bitter parts in there, man. Yeah. What was that? What was well, the that? Uh, the Achilles heel for a long time for that gun. Like even after they correct, like even after the early M9 issues, like everything's got issues. I mean, that's just part of it. But that was a, that was always the Achilles heel. The M9 was these cheap contractor magazines. You know? Yeah, we used to we used to pick them up at gun shows, like dirt cheap. You look at them like this is crazy. Like the weld on the back of them was really crappy. And- yeah, it's like so, this. Is, this obviously was not made by Metgar. <laughs> no, they were not. And that's the thing is like that was the majority of the M9s issues that people always complained about was the terrible magazines they were running in them, not really the gun's fault. But the gun got blamed and it got a bad stigma. Plus, you were trying it. It's America, America, and we were trying to replace American Levin. And he took all these old guys who were used to 45s and they were giving them nine millimeters and that debate still rages today. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, you think about it, um, going into Vietnam yeah. when the M16 came out, those guys were like, what the hell do you want me to do with this gun? I don't want this Mattel rifle. What's this toy? Yeah. Yeah. A little pop gun. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It's I'd take an M16 over a 30 carbine any day, but hey, well, would you take it over a thirty carbine, or would you take it over an M two? M two is kind of fun. Full M2's auto, kind of fun, but it's just the cartridge is useless. It sucked. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I'd rather have a you know a tanker Garand cut down than I would a M one. Yeah, but you know the the only thing I would like with a carbine would be because um, I, I I remember bidding on one. I lost out on it. I wanted a Rockola because. I mean, yeah, how I mean, could you not want a jukebox machine gun, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few of them floating around over the years. Like, there was yeah. a guy where I used to live had a huge, like, huge gun collection in general, but he had, like, basically a museum. And several, I knew several guys that were pretty big collectors, and, like, you know, seeing some rock holes are pretty cool. One of the guys had several transferables that, you know, transferable, like, real M2s, and one of yeah. them was a Rockola. So that was cool, you know. They had all those like World War II laid out. So there's all these different, you know, grand, different manufacturers, all these M1 carbine, different manufacturers. And then he had, you know, he didn't have a singer, but he had like Union Switch and Signal and he had Remington Rand and he had obviously Cole, you know, all the different 1911 makers. So that's just cool. All people who got together back then and did stuff. Well, it, it's funny because I remember when I was, uh, when I was bidding on that thing, my wife's like, well, well who makes it? I go, Rockola. She goes, but it's like an M1 car, you know, a carbine. I go, yeah. yeah, you don't understand. You don't understand military guns. Um, you know, 
you know, especially during World War II, everybody, everybody was making these things. I mean, yeah. IBM was making them. Yep. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And then uh, we were at a gun show, uh, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And we're walking along and, and she's looking at this stuff and she's like, you know, seeing all these, you know, it's like the same gun, but it's got a different manufacturer. I'm like, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's government <laughs> contracting during yeah. war. Well, it's like the Remington Rand stuff. Everybody's like, oh, Remington made 1911s. Well, yeah, not back then they didn't. I was like, that was the typewriter division. The type yeah. Remington Rand typewriters made the 1911s. Yeah. You know, or like grease guns, GM headlight assemblies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really stuff. But, you know, hey, it works. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, it, it, it's crazy. The pulling now, together of the country now, I don't see that happening. I don't know. We could. We can surprise we, ourselves, we, maybe, but we—I don't think we could. We could outfit an army like we we could have during two world wars. No, um, the manufacturing is just not here for it. We'd have to wait. We have to wait on stuff coming in from Taiwan. That's true. We just don't. We just don't do that like we used to. Plus, you know, it's hard to put stuff together when your only marketable skill is I'm really good at this. <laughs> Selfie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 stuff. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there there is that. Well, I mean, now we're getting into the AI revolution of people can't even write their own term papers in college, which don't get me wrong, man. When I was in college, if there was something like that, you think I wouldn't have tried it? Oh yeah. Dude, do you know how many well say statute limitations? Yeah, we're good. I mean, you know. <laughs> Papers I wrote for people. It happens. I mean, it's not that hard. They just weren't no. that great. Yeah, well, yeah. It's there is that. But fortunately, you guys have a lot of bright people working on mm -hmm. firearms, and we do. You guys came out with a lot of stuff this year. Um, we did. Trust me. <laughs> yeah you you've been you've been busy. You've been one busy guy. Yeah, last year and this year have been real busy. Like all, like a lot of the industry. I mean, the summertime in the industry kind of slows down anyway. With you know, the last couple of years has been an exception to the rule in general for everything, and we're still doing pretty good this year. I've talked to several customers, and most people are still doing all right. It's you know, you're it's not the summer slowdown people so far that people are freaking out over. And I'm like, your numbers, most people are still doing around 2019 or better anyway. And I'm like, you're still doing up on what it normally is. So I'll take that as a win yeah. after all the glut we've had for the last couple of years. But, oh, yeah, a lot of new stuff. Um, time before I dig into that, a good example, like you're talking about good people, like how stuff's made and all that. Yeah. We actually keep some turkey, the owner's in Turkey right now. And we just had the NRA over there with him last week. And so they had a full film crew with them and went through the Gerson and like a car factories. And so everybody's going to chance to see what they're like on the inside and how stuff's made and all that on uh, America. I think it's American Rifleman TV coming up later this year. So they'll have like big full features on all that. So that's pretty slick. People and that's, that's the funny thing is, is people hear Turkey and they think third world country. Yeah. And it's not, but you get into, you get into some of these manufacturing plants. They are like state of the art. Oh yeah. Turkey is people think because Turkey busts up to Syria, it's a third world country and it's not. Yeah. I mean, you've got some areas on the extreme border that are, you know, 
more rural, that kind of stuff. But if you go to, you know, you go to most major Turkish cities and stuff, it's a Western country. You know, it's a, it's the link between Asia and Europe. It's very modern. It's very Western. It's not, you know, these backwards co countries that people think, you know, it's not like Saudi where, you know, women are covered head to toe and it's stuff like that. You know, it's, it's not what Americans think of when they think the Middle East. It's not some dude in a cave and, Afghanistan, you know, yeah. banging on a rock, putting something together. It's not, it's not that, <laughs> you know, because everybody saw the documentaries on like the, you know, the guys in, you know, Pakistan and Afghanistan, yeah. you know, putting guns together and all that, you know, it's not, it's not like that at all. These are very modern state of the art facilities. I mean, Gerson's is like not even two years old, their new facility. And it's nice. All modern CNC equipment, all my, it's all everything. It's everything you can want here. It's just, and that part of, you know, basically Europe, because it's really Europe, not so much Asia, because they're right there in the middle. You know, yeah. I mean, they were in, because people, one, people don't know geography. That's a problem. No, no, you can't, they people don't. People can't point to states in this country, much less other countries. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're talking about a country that's sitting, like, you know, on the Black Sea. So you've got Eastern Europe, Russia all right there on the far eastern side of the country, you got the Aegean on one side and the Black Sea on the other, and there's Greece right across the peninsula. I mean, yep. you know, it's it's not necessarily a bad area. No, that, like they even have like really nice beaches and all oh, kinds. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you know, it, it's so funny when you think about, because I mean, when people think of Turkey, they think Afghanistan, you know, they think yeah. that type of thing. And, um, you know, from what I've seen and I've talked to, you know, I've talked to other people, you know, going through SHOT Show, talking to other mm -hmm. manufacturers and they're just like, yeah, this is just, you know, I've seen videos and they've showed me pictures of stuff. I'm like, that is totally what I was not thinking of a manufacturing facility in Turkey. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Look, they don't, it's not, people think and they hear most Middle Eastern countries or, you know, the countries that kind of straddle the Middle East and Europe, yep. they think these are all like, terrible places and i'm like look they don't host formula one races in turkey and azerbaijan because they're bad places like you know there's a reason that this yeah. huge event goes there and all this is going on i mean is because it's a very modern cool place to go yeah yeah that's and that's so funny because i i'll be honest man i was um you know, even at, back when i had my license and i was a gun dealer i i'd see stuff coming in from turkey and it's like I don't know, man. I just, I just can't get behind this thing, but yeah, you know, you start going through this stuff and it's just like, I start playing, you know, I start getting some of the stuff in start playing with it. I'm like, wow, these have some pretty nice tolerances to it. And you know, they're not, you yeah. know, it's not like you pick up a gun and you know, like you, you, it's almost like, you know, the 1911s from world war two that they're around you, you take them, you shake oh, them yeah. almost like a baby rattle. rattle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I um, mean, these things are tight. Turkey's been building guns for a long time. I mean, people, it's not like it's a new thing. Turkey's been a, it's a gun manufacturing hub for a long time. And like anywhere else, I mean, there's American companies that aren't that great at certain things. And just like anywhere else in the world, there's companies that are, you know, are definitely better than others. And yes, there's some companies that popped up, especially during all this like COVID madness. You know, that didn't help people's taste on certain things. Cause yeah, some companies, yeah. you know, popped up and did stuff as cheap as they possibly could. And they were there to try to make a dollar as fast as they could. Then with no intention of hanging around, it was, it is what it is. But the factories we deal with are 
definitely one they're not they're going yes moving around yeah. forever and they've been vetted hard you know and quality is there and we've you know and they their qc is really good over there like so to, so people understand what goes on like talk about all the new stuff and we react to the market pretty well because we air freight everything over here so when we're when we ship everything over we're not having stuff sitting on a boat for months at a time stuff's not sitting on a ship in a shipping container i have flights coming over weekly from turkey so we can react quickly but like monday morning i get here first thing in the morning i have like hey what's coming in at the end of the week i'll have like you know my my manifest my you know my invoices packing lists whatever and then that afternoon or the next morning there'll be a handful of guns pulled off of it because they QC, they did a you know a secondary QC yeah. check before they packed it all up and sent it. And hey, we didn't like something. We didn't like something about this gun or this or this or this. I mean, like small, like deep small, you know, imperfections in the finish or whatever. I mean, they they pull all that stuff out. <clears throat> they are they are really good at the QC stuff. And I mean, we've you know we've helped them a lot with that. You know, Keith's an engineer by trade. Originally, that's what that's where he went to school for, and he originally got into. He was on the like the aircraft side of the of the engineering world, and so he understands all that. And he understands how to you know build something better and how to really help yeah. them on the manufacturing side. And we talk to those guys all the time. I mean, we talk to the factory pretty much daily, and he's over there basically five or six times a year. What's funny is Keith is such a nice guy too. Um, yeah. I mean. You know, I, I remember at the at the booth there at the AA it shot and just like like I actually got to meet Keith and, and he's just a very down to earth guy. Mm-hmm. He, he was a little stressed out this year at shot, but he was I mean, you know, when somebody decides they just they wanted to not uh, you know attend shot show this year, they could have just had a heart attack. They didn't yeah, have instead, to pull. instead of getting quadruple bypass. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you in the audience, someone someone who works for EAA decided to. Uh, it was Sunday, right? That happened Saturday. Saturday happened. Saturday. Set, set I'm in the, the process booth. of trying to travel out there because, like, the way travel. Oh, ended right. up you had you here. hadn't made it there yet. That's I hadn't right. got there yet. So, like, I was flying out the next morning, and it's just the way you travel. We usually fly you together, get, but like something. You got bumped a couple of times, didn't you? Yeah, getting out there was the experience. Like this year did not start off well for us. And like for me, especially because I was how I didn't get put on the do not fly list in Atlanta for how I <laughs> ended up acting to get on a plane was not was not very good. Well, I mean, so like we're I'm trying to get out there. Like I've got the call. Hey, Paul's had a heart attack, you know, so it's last minute to so trying to get everything out there. And so, you know. I re- obviously everybody's stressed because besides having put stuff together, you know, we got this to worry about now. And, you know, Paul's been doing it for 30 plus years. Like Keith has there, neither one of them are getting any younger and yeah, that's not helping. I'm like, you know, I'm talking to him. I'm like, before you stroke out and you wind up in there with him, like you got to calm down. Like I'm on my way. We'll get all this handled. You know, I was like, I'll handle range day. I got this, you know, cause Paul does range day every year. So that's another stressor on top of everything. And I'm trying to get out there and, you know, it's the random freaky weather in Florida, central Florida. You know, I'm sitting at, you know, I'm sitting at the airport and they're like, yeah, we don't have any de-icing equipment. So we literally have to wait for it to get warm enough for the ice <laughs> to, to, the sun to come up, <laughs> you know, because we can't fly with it. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I remember because uh, so I drive down the shot 
because it's yeah. right down I-15 for me. Um, you know, I left on Saturday. I got in on Sunday morning, and uh, I was staying with Ghost and Clover. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got in, you know, in, in the morning, and we're all just sitting there, just kind of catching up because it's like the one, you know, one time per year that we're all together. Um, those two are together on all kinds of things, different things. It's the one time I'm with them, so yeah. And uh, and I remember the call comes through that you know Paul had a heart attack, and we're like, okay. And then we're like, well, do you guys need help with the booth? <laughs> And then, yes. then, then all the stuff, then all the stuff for you with your travel started hitting at the same time. It's so bad. Um, like I started getting alerts then, Saturday night, and I'm like, "Oh, this is not going to be good." Because I tried to get out Saturday night, and I couldn't. I was like, "I'll take a red eye out there, and I'll be out first thing in the morning." Yeah, that didn't help. So, and then that was. Uh, I, I will tell you that was that was interesting getting into shot before shot was set up. I was going to say and. So y'all one. No, I'll say one. I was like one when we called everybody and said, Hey, if anybody can come help, that'd be awesome. You know, one, we really appreciate everybody's help, you know. Yeah. And then but the flip side of that is y'all all got to see the behind the scenes that nobody gets to yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was fun. That was not- cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh that don't get me wrong, that was cool. Um and I it, it's so funny is that you know the call went out for help. Mm-hmm. And and everybody in the audience, this happens at shot where a company runs into a problem, and there's a it, like like Chase was saying, you you know everybody in the industry, yeah. somebody's going to help. Oh um, yeah, be, because I know last year um, I heard a story about a about a company that they were they came over from Europe, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, the, the first person came over and they were, they were trying to set up the booth, but then everybody else caught COVID and couldn't leave, right? They all, they all tested negative yep. and they couldn't leave Europe. So this guy is there trying to do his booth by himself. Mm-hmm. And he just like, you know, like somebody else is like, are you okay? And he tells a story and then he, that person calls some people up and then a booth got set up. Yeah, no. I mean, this industry, like, people will take care of each other. I mean, and we kind of have to. I mean, even if it's people you don't necessarily get along with or, you know, you may not line up ideas together or whatever, doesn't matter who they are, you know, you're going to help each other because this it's small, but at the same time, a lot of people don't care for what we do. Yeah, well, so we, have we, a, we, have, we all have a common enemy, right? Yeah, we're all big dysfunctional families, but we are. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's. I like to say this industry is a lot like um, like Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, right. We're all together. We all love each other, but we are going to fight sometimes. Yeah, when this and is over with, if gonna, mom leaves, this is going to get ugly. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but yeah, that was cool. That was cool getting to see uh, shot. Then realizing that you know, if you step back a few feet, you might get run over by a forklift driving by. Um, I mean, they don't care about anything. Let's see, I understand like. Yeah, we literally. I'm not going to say like we put our lives on the line. We're so, so like some companies hire com- other companies to come set their booths up for them. Like we put our booth together. Like we intentionally ship stuff in such a way that we can assemble it and take it down ourselves. Because I know, see, long that, run, it's so much. That fast. was interesting. Yeah, that, that was interesting. The 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 setup you guys had mm-hmm. kind of got down to a science. I mean, done it long enough. Like you know. 
give Paul credit where he's got it. You know, the the containers we ship them in, they're like big job boxes, like work boxes, yeah. basically. You know, I can literally open a box and pull everything out I need and put the whole thing together. Yeah. You know, we do the small shows that way, too. Like, I do a lot of these, you know, dealer, like, buy group shows, that kind of stuff. And I can literally work out of one box. Like, I mean, you saw it at range day. Same thing. Yep. You know, roll a couple boxes out there and everything pops out, puts it together, and we're done. Everything packs right back up in them. And then, and then that gives you a little bit of shelter for when the rain comes and you're stuck in the booth and you can't That's leave. So much fun. That was <laughs> so, terrible. When that, when that rain came in, everybody went flooding into the tent. And it's funny because I'm sitting there going, because you know, I'm sitting there talking to Ghost Clover and you know mm -hmm. a bunch of other people. I'm like, where's Chase? He's like, he's in the booth. He can't leave. There's guns there. I'm like, oh, that poor bastard. I, I'm going to see. He needs 100%. And like, in my <laughs> rush to get out there and all that, like, I didn't really, I knew I was going to range day, but I didn't think about, hey, range day weather is terrible. Like, sometimes you don't think about it. Yeah. So I didn't bring a heavy any, jacket. You didn't have any rain here because you had that I had a rack. rain jacket and that was it. I didn't like my yeah. jeans, like, my, I didn't wear jeans. Like, my pants got soaked. My, I had Merrill's on, but there was so much rain and wind that it got yeah. over the top. So my feet got wet. So it didn't matter. And I was like, this is great. So I was out there. It was what, like 40 degrees and 20 mile an hour wind yeah. and rain. And I was like, this is terrible. Like my feet were, I was walking like had, old duck had, at the end of the day. I had all my rain gear with me. And it's, and it's funny. So I'm like walking out there. I'm, I'm going out because you had the, the shotgun rack off to the, the right, uh, the right uh, depending which side you're at. But if you're walking yeah. into the booth on the right hand side and there's Chase. Huddled up between the shotguns. Hundred <laughs> percent. That was the only windbreak you had was like the the firing line table in the rag with yep. the guns. Like you could like kind of squeeze in there and shelter a little bit. <laughs> the best part was like when it was all fun done and it like finally the second round of rain finally left and you know the sun actually came out a little bit and it, it warmed up yeah. by like what like low upper forties low fifties something like that. Yeah. And I was like, this is almost paradise now. And the wind was still whipping, so that sucked. But it is what it is. But, man, about, I don't know, it was, what, 45 minutes or so before. Everything finally dries out. We're good. About 45 minutes or so before it's everywhere, the wind shifts. And so it starts blowing on all the shelters. And it knocks all the water off. And it blows back in and soaks everything again. I just gave uh, up. And I was just like, I, yeah. this is going to be wet. I don't care anymore. See what you need to do is on that job box for uh, for for you know the range day. Yeah, you guys get, need to get a couple of like golf umbrellas. Just throw them in there. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea, honestly, for some of that madness. But like you know, so, if I knew I was going to do range day, I'd have prepared a little better. But you know, last second. Guy, well, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. You had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, you're doing range day. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, y'all saw it. You generally one person can handle it fine. Yeah. The way people rotate through, but it was just, you know, it was just, it was like that, that the, whole week, man. Yeah. Because you have the range officer right there. Each booth has a range officer. Yeah. So, I mean, the range officers are kind of do, doing a little bit of traffic cop for you. Yeah, yeah um, they are. They basically have like two or three. They're technically, but they kind of stand in the middle between two. And so you've got somebody there. Yeah. The whole time, which is, it's good on them, you know, and they were all suffering too because they're like, yeah, um, they were. Yeah, they, they were not, they, they were hating life. <laughs> they had no break from anything. Like, at least when you got under the cover, 
you got a little bit of a reprieve from the wind, not much, but a little bit. Those poor dudes were out standing it the whole time. Yeah. And like one of them, like, wouldn't like when it's flood and rain that, that second time around lunch, right before lunchtime, like he refused to, like, like, you can come over, yeah, you can come under here if you want to. At least I'll keep it off of you some. And he's like, no, he just stood there and got soaked. I'm like, okay, dude, I offered. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. That was, that's, that's a tough way to make a buck. <laughs> that's the thing is most of those dudes are volunteers. They don't make a dollar. Yeah. Off that. Just they get to go hang out and see it and shoot stuff. Yeah. Cause they're, uh, they're usually volunteers for the range there. Yeah. Um, which is actually it's a nice range. It is a really good range. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it was, yeah, it's so far away. It was really not that far away. It's no. just, you know, don't go, don't go rent an exotic car and try to drive down that road to the range. No, it just depends on, you know, it's not that far away. It just depends on who's behind the wheel. It's a true story. <laughs> I have a little bit of a race out there. A little bit, a little bit of cannonball run going down to range day. That was fun. That was fun. They would um, not, they would not let me drive. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you were in Clover's car, and, true. which is real, which is really Aramenthia's car. It hundred percent it is, and she was driving. It, so. Yeah, she was driving. Um, she's, I mean, she uh, drove. She drives fine, but she's not as spirited as I am. That's for sure. Well, uh, well, I remember we were in Clover's car last year, and Clover drove, and he hits a button, and the whole dashboard goes red, sport mode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, "What are you doing to my car?" I know we were giving her a hard time, like because the ghost was in the back with me. So we're, you know, we're being terrible people anyway, and we're giving him a hard time because it's early and he's in the, you know, mood. Yeah. And <laughs> we're like, put in sport mode, and she wouldn't do it. She was just like, I'm not dealing with you, idiots. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, this is all that. This is all more that behind the scenes stuff that people don't get to yeah. see. This is this is the stuff that, that everybody in the audience doesn't get to see, doesn't, you know, and, no. and trust me, it gets really interesting. Um, you know, uh, cause he's got that, da uh, Clover's got that dashboard camera. Yeah. Um, and, uh, last year, it, you know, cause I was riding shotgun and ghost mm -hmm. and Clover were in the back seat. And then some of the conversations that are, that happen. Right. <laughs> and then, and, and then <laughs> I remember ghost or Clover going, you do realize that that thing records audio too, right? And we're like, oh shit, what did we say? What 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 dirt does Clover now have on all of us? There's no telling. I mean, I don't I'm <laughs> I'm being good right now, you know, but we all know none of us have filters, so Oh, none of us. That, that's the funny thing is um you get us all together, it gets it, the conversations can get very It gets weird fast. It's all right. Yeah, okay. very weird fast. It'll go okay. it, it'll go in weird directions. And well, like for people I, who aren't like the audience is a good example. The people who aren't in the industry who like consume, but aren't in it. Like this industry gets sideways quick, man. Y'all just don't know. Like, oh, we have like everybody likes to have a good time for the most part. Don't be wrong. Like, yeah. But this uh this industry likes to have a good time too. I'll put it that way. I guess you yeah. just, you never know, especially in Vegas. You'll never know what you're going to see or run into or craziness. Yeah, totally. Or totally. It's part of the fun. Yeah. Now speaking of range day. Um, that's where uh, the 2311, we, we could finally handle the 2311. So talk to me a little bit about the 2311 because I, I love I that. That, that little guy made his debut. Oh, man, I love that gun. So that is our all-new Witness 2311. 
have to call it a 2311 because 2011 is trademarked. So everybody calls, you know, double stack 1911 2011s. That's yep. a particular manufacturer's model designation, but it's a double stack 1911. So it's our traditional Gerson top ends that we have done a double stack 2011 style bottom on there now. So we call it the 2311. Um, polymer grit module. This one's running the magwell on it. Basically, all the features you're going to see in our upper end 1911. So you're going to have ambi safeties. You're going to have, you know, your extended beaver tail, combat hammer, combat trigger, all that stuff. Slight extension on the mag release, which I like. I mean, I got little hands. Yeah. So you, yeah. Something to get a hold of. Uh, this is a commander size. Uh, we have an officer model. It's a little shorter. We have a government. We have a six inch, 10 mil. That's the pig murdering machine. So these are. <laughs> The nines are 17 rounds. The tens are 15 rounds. So 15 rounds of 10 mil, 45s are 11. The cool thing we're doing on these two right now is the top ends, like this is one of the ones we had at range day, actually. So the the six inch will have these adjustable sights in the fiber front, but on the other guns, they're actually going to have the plate on the back, like what's on our ultimates. So the plate comes off and the far dot or anything that's RMSC goes right on there. But we're going to ship that gun initially with the far dot, so with an optic for nine ninety nine retail. That's just amazing. That's the crazy. That's the that's the best part of the whole thing. Um, checkmate mags. So the Scotto STI pattern mags run. So that's not an issue. You're not running odd magazines, specialty magazines, none of that stuff. Especially after we just slammed a bunch of magazines earlier in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is not. No, nah, I mean, not, those are well, I mean, I mean, they're all undisclosed anyway. But you know, Megar makes a ton of our mags anyway for us. But you know, we're doing a lot with Checkmate, who does you well, know these. Well, and that's the thing is, Checkmate is probably the top of the line mag yeah. in the industry with Megar, you know, right below it. Yeah, Megar and Checkmate are the two like those are the two most widely used in the industry. Like. Yeah. Most of your major manufacturers, just about everybody uses either Mega or Checkmate or both. Yeah, that's who yeah. basically makes them all. Um, I know, I know of a of a manufacturer who makes a gun that um, uh, dropped a fail test, uh, dropped a uh, failed a drop test. Mm -hmm. um, everybody can figure out what it is, but you could tell what magazine because yeah. they, they were using both companies to make theirs. Yeah, and you could tell which magazine was that you had just by where it was made. Yep. Sure can. Because one of them's made here, one of them's made in Italy. Yep. So it's not real hard to figure these out, even if it's got somebody no. else's name on it. And that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. Most things are branded, even though they're made wherever. They're not. Those yeah. companies don't make those mags, the vast majority. But no. that's also why people ask, like, why magazines, you know, what all, like, what all magazines cost, like, 50 or $60? And I'm like, well, because the good ones come from one of two manufacturers, and you pay for what you get. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have it. If if you if you want the actual you know if you want a good magazine which let's face it if you're using this thing for defense mm -hmm. or protection or competition you don't want a cheap mag you want a mag that's going to run absolutely I mean there's there's a reason a lot of competition mags have base pads or bump pads on them it's not necessarily because you want like it's an ease of insert quickly and as you okay. drop them on the move. You're not worried about them tearing them up. You know, that's what yep. all that stuff's for. Um, yeah. 
But this thing's pretty cool. We got some pretty cool stuff coming out for these. They'll be shipping here to consumers real soon. Um, nice. We've got a really cool deal with the grip modules, though. So because it's a you know, it's a double stack 1911, you only have two screws. You got the top screw here, and then you got one on the trigger guard itself, and the whole grip module comes off. The cool thing we've done with this is we can actually custom mold a grip module for you now. So you got somebody wow. who's got, you know, real arthritic hands or missing a digit yep. or whatever. So, you know, I got a big paw, so I'm not too worried about it, you know. So I can actually have one that's made slightly bigger for me if I want or some that's you could reduce them down a little bit. But basically, there's a it's a block. It looks like a basically it looks like a grip. Drop it in hot water, take it out, squeeze and grip it. Think of like Invisalign, you yep. know, the retainers or the like insoles, the custom insoles you can do. You grab a hold of that and you squeeze it, and then it sets your hand. Send it back to the company. It comes back to us. We can 3D scan it, and we can actually do a mold of your actual hand. So you have a grip module that's built to your hand. Like we got some prototypes. We have we had them in NRA that actually you can see like striations of muscle you can see veins you can see all that like in somebody's hand it's pretty cool it's it's high de that's high definition yeah that's how yeah. detailed that scan gets so wow like that and then you basically it reverses itself into the grip and so now you have a grip and you pick it up it just it just fits your hand every time it's the gun that literally fits your hand it does that so is awesome because that was an issue for some people with double stack guns in general is being a little bigger when well, now you've got something that will grip your hand all together and we can, you know, can't really do it on metal frame guns, but basically anything polymer frame, you can do that. Cause that's, you that know, that's was, like one thing that my wife has a problem with is, you know, she's got small hands so she can only, yeah. you know, she loves, you know, she loves her larger frame guns, but mm -hmm. when it comes to her carry, it's the smaller frame because that's what fits her hand the best. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome that you can mold the gun to the totally shooter's good. hand. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's part of what we do. So, I mean, we were talking about some of the different things we do. Like, you know, it, you try to find a way to innovate what you've already got. So, I mean, 1911 has obviously been around a long time. Double stacks have been around for a hot minute, too. But how do you yeah. how do you improve upon that? You know, there's other companies making double stacks, too. So I can take one and I can make a really quality gun at a much more affordable price point. And then you start doing these custom features on top of that. And that's the cool thing about that is because it's an STI pattern, there's, you want very specific grip modules from other companies. You want certain parts, whatever, it all interchanges. So that's awesome. See, that's, that's what I love about that is just that, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're literally taking a gun and making it somebody's gun. Yeah. I mean, and the average consumer in this industry doesn't have the ability to go spend thirty five hundred dollars on a custom gun right now, but no, they can no. they can buy a retail thousand dollar gun and make it theirs over time. Yep, and exactly. Same idea as buying a seven hundred and building the rifle way you want it. You know, same thing. Yeah, you're buying a platform that you can do whatever you want with it. Yep, absolutely. But I promise you, it runs right out of the box. I mean, you shot him, you know. I shot. It's funny because that was. I love. I, I, 
I've shot that gun several times and shot him. I'm not gonna lie, I I I I got in line a few times. Um, even after they got wet sitting out on the table. Uh, I had fun shooting them was after they got nasty because I wanted to see if they been shot a good bit and they got rained on twice. Yeah. We were still, I was shooting them to see, you know, how they were gonna hold up, how they're gonna run, and they didn't care. I mean, we didn't they have ran. Any, they they ate everything up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what I loved about it. Oh yeah. The 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 surprise of the range day event for everybody was the 10 millimeter though, because everybody knew that gun was going to beat them up because they're not heavy because it's a polymer frame gun. Everybody's like, this thing's yep. going to suck. I'm like, I promise it does it. Nobody would believe me. That, and I'd shoot it. And they're like, that's a 10. I'm like that's, that's full power ball ammo. Shoot it. The 10 millimeters uh, was the, was the first one I shot at the, uh, at the booth. Mm -hmm. Um, those of you who've been on channel uh, on my on my YouTube channel, I have the 360 video that I shot. That was the 10 yep. millimeter that I was shooting in that 360 video. Mm -hmm. um, that's why that was like like the first 360 video I really shot. So you might have to rotate the screen 90 degrees <laughs> to get to me. So I was still learning, but no, that was a that was an amazing pistol. I I mm -hmm. I shot that the first shot the the first time the first trigger pull it went off. I'm like. That's not a 10. Oh, it's like shooting a nine. And I tell everybody, yeah. I was like, oh, you shoot a nine, you shoot this. And they don't believe me until they shoot it. And they're like, oh, wow. Like, never mind. This isn't this isn't bad at all. Because, I mean, you're watching every dude that picked, I say every 80, every 80% of people who picked that gun up flinched the first yeah. time they shot it. Because they no, just well, expected yeah, it to be rough because it was a 10. And they're yeah. like, I mean, what is this? I'm like, it's 10 mil. Like, no. And they shoot it again. And they're like, I'm gonna shoot that close steel and see what it sounds like, and they're like, "Okay, this is a ten. Yeah, well, I, that's the funny thing about you see people who shoot ten millimeter for the first time that don't know, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Yikes!" And then you get then now every just, everybody would be just about everybody is a range day has shot a ten. Yeah, by now, right now it, you're exactly right because I at ten I'm sitting there going, I anticipated the recoil, mm -hmm. I totally did, and I'm just like. Um, that's why in the video, I'm like, I started doing double taps out of it. Yeah. I'm like, doing double taps out of a 10. Yeah. This is awesome. I mean, I, I tell everybody when they pick up, I'm like, I'm telling you, I know everybody's got a preconceived notion. It's a light gun. It's similar. I was like, it doesn't recall. I'm telling you now, but it, people still would anticipate that first time when they would pick them up and they'd be like, this is nothing. I'm like, I told you, I was like, run it, run it hard. Yeah. You know, I had, um, uh, she fires came out there. Anybody who knows her from her, she's channel, about she's about this tall. <laughs> she's, she's like what? Like I think she's like a inch or two over from being legally a little person or whatever. I mean, she's little. She's little. Well, yeah, um, yeah. I have a picture uh, actually on my Instagram. A picture of of her and I in the uh, in the uh, press room. Yeah, um, and she like literally like like comes up to like my armpit. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm and six I'm, two. Yeah, so I'm saying I'm six three, and so you know I'm like she comes up, and I'm like I'm like I'm so glad you're here. I was like I want you to shoot this, and I'm taking a video of it so I can prove to people. Yeah, you know, and I, she immediately grabs a six inch ten mil and just starts running it. She's like, oh my god, this is so much fun. I'm like, see, yeah. and like all these guys saw her running it, and so more people wanted to come shoot it because like, well, if she can shoot it, I can shoot it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're hesitant, and I'm like, I'm telling you, it's not bad. But after that, man, yeah. it was just you know, we had other stuff out there too. But you know, the twenty, the twenty three eleven stole the show for sure. Yeah, it did, it did. Now, what other hotness do you got 
that you have coming out this year? I mean, you've so got like, a few other things. What we had talked about before, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, because you'd mentioned Beretta at the show because we were across the road from Beretta at the at shot, and they were really proud of their ADX, and I just stood there and grinned because I knew better. <laughs> I know. That, and, that um, was funny because I, I came right out. I'm like, you guys need to – when are you guys going to come out with that? You just got that grin. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You, like somebody knows. Like, well, people didn't realize, like, you know, I had one there. It was just – it was in the back in the office. And, like, we had there to show very specific, you know, distributor customers basically. Kind of gets a little bit of feedback because we were – we were basically towards the end of the development on that gun. We were tweaking little things, and I just wanted their opinions on certain things. But, you know. Well, I'm going to bring know. up the web page while we're talking here. Yeah. Because it's right there. Right there. That, and I actually that, have that, that gun sitting here next to me. So I'll roll through is, it again. So, so the, to give you guys an idea, um, my wife, a huge Beretta fan, Mm -hmm. uh, she shoots uh, the Beretta Cheetah, which the Beretta Cheetah came in 85, which is a single stack, and 84, which is double stack. But the problem with the Cheetah line, and the Cheetahs have been around for a long time. The problem with that gun is, is the, um, the, the, the recoil spring of it is so tight. It's, 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 hard. it's, it's hard. I mean, it, it's really hard to, to rack that thing. But you guys went a different way with that, with the tip-up barrel. I did. So, like, Beretta had the 86 way back when. Yep. You know, people are familiar with the Bobcats and the Tomcats, the 21, the 22s, 25s, 32s. But an 86 just was never – one, it was a single stack, but it was never – Beretta didn't market that gun really well, and it never really went anywhere. And it was just kind of like, eh. And, you know, so yeah. and that, was, that was the 80s, you know, 80s, early 90s, different time. And so what we did is you took the tip up idea. And so that's actually how literally how it ships. This one just came literally just came out of a box the way they're shipping. And these are shipping now. So they are out there in the wild as we speak, floating around. So this one happens to be the two tone, which I'm kind of partial to. I like that tungsten and black. But it ships just like that. One of the big things we do on the tip barrel is when you go to close it, it auto locks. A lot of the older designs of anything is tip barrels. You had to hold the barrel down and flip the lever 180 degrees to lock it. That's when you don't. So lever right here, just pull down, tips right up. Load around, close it, safety off, double action, single action, doesn't matter. It's a direct blowback gun. So, I mean, the slide still cycles like anything else. Still ejects normally like anything else. We have videos out there to prove it because we actually had some people who didn't believe that the gun ejected or <laughs> ejected directly into your face, one or the other. So we had, you know, I'm like, I videos of us shooting it. So here, here you go. You know, AMB safety is on it. We kind of rounded it down a little bit to uh, make it for ladies, people with hand strength issues. You know, and that's what the gun's aimed at is people who can't cycle a slide. You know, we joke around. We nicknamed the gun the solution because it's the solution to the problem that people who can't handle these can't handle a traditional firearm anymore. Even guns that are labeled as like easy to pull or easy to rack or whatever. There's still people that can't do it. So now you have something as simple as pop open, drop around in, close it, you're ready to go. Because you can literally load a magazine like normal, 
leave a barrel tipped up for the people who are weird about having a round in the chamber or something like that. Or I don't want to leave a loaded gun sitting on, you know, all yeah. sitting on the nightstand or on a little safe or, you know, wherever you're going to put it. You know, now you have a gun that you can leave just like this, grab it, drop around in the barrel, mag's already in it, go. You need to unload it, same thing. Tip the barrel up, round drops right out in your hand. We actually have... It's like the ultimate press check, if you think about it. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, it's literally that simple. I mean, you take little snap caps, drops right in, done. You want to unload it, pop it up, drops right out in your hand. That's, That's awesome. as easy as it gets. We took it a step further. This is a one of the prototypes we did with a 3D print, but we actually did a magazine with a little base pad on it that actually holds an extra round, an extra round in it. So you can literally people again targeted people with hand strength issues, maybe some older people, whatever that the dexterity is not quite there to load the round like normal now you can take it drops right in pulls right off that's so that cool <laughs> making it as easy as i possibly can then you just throw your mag in like normal and she's ready to go i mean unload it simple drop it flip it up comes right out it doesn't <laughs> get any more easy and that was the whole idea behind us we wanted a gun that was easy that anybody could use I mean, and people who ask, yes, you can still hand cycle it. You can load it like normal. You can clear it like normal. Everybody in array was, you know, trying to fight it and yeah. hand it back like this to us. I'll oh, see it's clear. I'm like, cool. You could have just done that. And I could tell you it's clear. Yeah. Well, you see, and that's, that's what I was just thinking is, um, yeah, well, you could use it in competition, but, you know, being yeah. a competition shooter, you know, the, your last command is unload and show clear. Yeah. Well, that's the ultimate is just hit the barrel up and think, the barrel you know, the, Bolt comes out. You don't get to be the cool guy catching around and you cycle your slide. Yeah. But, you know, but I mean, it comes with like the magazine it comes with, you know, is like speaking of Megar, you know, there's your Megar mag with the extended, you know, finger yep. extension on it. You know, it's a 14 round mag or, you know, 13 plus one. So this is the same magazine that the 84 used. Yep. So magazines are out there and they're available. That's easy to get a hold of. But we're working on getting these out to everybody. These were, you know, some prototypes we did that were 3D printed. There's actually a mold. So there'll be a molded traditional base pad, not this 3D printed material that we've got these on. But that this thing absolutely stole the NRA show. We yeah. we had people lined up to come see this thing. The, the second I saw that thing come out on the press release, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, I, I, that, that is, that is because watching my wife with that, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I've, I've shot those guns. Uh, I, when I was in FFL, I used to buy the surplus ones. Um, you know, the, the surplus oh, yeah. cheetahs, I used to start code them, resell them, uh, made it. I mm -hmm. used to love doing that. So I used to know a lot about those cheetahs, but man, even for me, that slide sucked at racking. That's, that's and the second I saw the tip up barrel, um, I'm just like, that is so cool because mm -hmm. you know my wife. My wife's a Beretta collector, so she has the, all, all the old guns, and she has tip-up barrels and stuff like that. And it's just yeah. like, that's so easy. It's the whole idea behind it, just trying to make something simple. So you take, like, we did a lot of stuff, like with the MCP35s and the updated regards, the 2311. 
is you take an existing legacy that and just make it better. Yeah. And that's the whole idea behind this is you had something that, you know, really fit a niche that wasn't being served. And now you have a lot of options. Yeah, in these. The other thing that's really cool about that is that if you have it in, you know, if it's in your gun safe, you don't want to have it loaded, what, whatever your reason for not having it unloaded is, you just store that thing with the barrel tipped up. You can see. That's it's, it. it's not like it's not like it's going to go off with the barrel tipped up. No. I mean, you don't. People are like, well, you know, I have like kids and I'll, you know, I'm like, okay. Barrel's up. You got to physically put a bullet in it to make it go bang. You got to put yeah. a bullet in there and close it. So it's pretty obvious if the barrel's tipped up. It's And even with the barrel tipped up, you can still activate safety. That was an issue on some other guns. Is you couldn't activate the safety with the barrels tipped up. This one you can't. Yeah. And it totally so, goes dead until you take the safety off. See, so, I mean, technically, if it, with being in your gun safe, you have two. You have two safeties at that point. Correct. You have the physical safety plus the barrel being tipped up. So, mm -hmm. a lot of things got to happen for that to be ready. Yeah. But, but yet it's not like take a long time to get it ready. No, two seconds to. I mean, if you get the mag sitting next to it with the extra round on it, you pull it Pop off and go. The mag in, done. It's very simple, and it's you know we did a little couple things on this one. Like it's got a rail on it that you don't see on the other gun. So if you want lights, lasers, we actually are playing around with a mount that actually will come up and over the barrel tip. So if somebody wants to run a red dot on there, they can. Have the, the little like the old bridge. Uh, yeah. Mount. Yep. You know, like all the, you know, all the, like the open class gun mounts, that kind of stuff. Because yep. you just don't really have a lot of space on the top of the slide to do anything. I mean, even like an RMSC cut, there's just not anything you can do. No, those, those guns are small. Yeah. Um, it's thin. I mean, I got a big hand, so if I put it in my hand, the gun looks real little. But <laughs> it's, um, it's not quite a subcompact. It's not quite a compact. It's kind of in between, which well, is good because it's an easy gun to handle. Yeah, and that's the thing. That was the thing about that about that uh, you know that cheetah design was is mm -hmm. that for a three eighty, it's it's big for a three eighty. Yeah, but yet it's it's not like it's obnoxiously heavy. Um, you know, mm -hmm. my wife carries hers. It, it, she doesn't have a belt, so she has one of the the holsters that's like leather that's got the little flap with a the magnet on it. Yeah. So, with these things loaded, it's not like it's you're not like walking in a circle because it's weighing down one side of your hip. No, anybody's carried a 19, like 45, 1911 loaded for any amount of time. You're like, it gets old, it gets heavy fast, it gets old quick. Yeah, 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 that's it's true because you know, in the summer, uh, in the winter times, it, it's kind of nice up here in Montana because I get to carry my larger guns because you know, we got all kinds of coats and stuff like that on, yeah. but. Yeah, you know, every once in a while, it's just like I'm gonna pull out. I'm gonna pull pull out my regular mm -hmm. summer carry because this, 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 this. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'll either run my 1911 or my Sig P220, and it's just like you're like mm -hmm. literally at the end of the day, you're kind of like God. This thing's starting to get a little heavy. Get a little lean going on there. At the yeah, end you know, get a little yeah. lean. Yeah. The uh, I mean, see, this is easy to carry. That's the whole idea behind that was you're trying to make it as simple as possible, especially for people who aren't even appeals to people who aren't gun people because you're making it easy on them. Yeah. You know, like we actually, so we did the, we sponsored the map for the NRA show, right? So in the program, everybody got 
you know, the map in the middle. We had people yeah. who were tearing the maps out, like, where's this thing? I want to see this. You know, we had guys that literally had taken their or bringing their America's the right before the show, the American Rifleman issue dropped that had it in there. And so we had people coming up with their American Rifleman going, okay, where's it at? You know, Keith had a couple of guys that actually had tore the pages out. Like, where's this gun? Like, where I need to see this, you know? And so, I mean, it was, yeah. it was popular. You know, you had something going on when everybody from all the other companies are coming over to check it out. Yeah. Well, because, yeah. uh, you know, I've had, I've had instructors and other, uh, you know, female shooters on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that there's a, there's a market there for female shooters. Oh, yeah. um, it's, it's an underserved market. And trust me, you know, with my wife running a cheetah, it's, it, it's gets, it gets a little tough to, to rack that thing. And yep. a tip up barrel solves, it, it solves so much. Thanks. It takes a lot of it out. It takes a lot of it out for you, man. It's, you know, yes, ladies can use it. It's another, it's another good option to the few things that are floating around in most gun stores right now for ladies are specifically targeted at, you know, but it's not a pink Campbell revolver. Yeah, it's, not pink, yeah, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not muddy girl. It's not rose yeah. gold. It's well, that's the thing is uh, it was so nice about it is it, it appeals to so many people and then um, mm -hmm. you have different color options available for that thing. Yeah. Um, you have the two tone like that one there. Um, you know, you, you have, you have the gold one. Um, yep. So, so that's, that's the cool thing is that you, was it there are four different color options for that gun? So there's all black, there's the two tone, there's dark earth. There yep. is a gold. There's a black with gold accents, and there's a sangria that's like this dark reddish, a little bit of like a purple hue, almost like a wine color to it. And then we're already working on, I'm already working on special, like special runs for distributors. So you'll see all kinds of different color combos and things so, like that popping up. So yeah, you'll have like the Davidson special or the, yeah. or yeah, yeah, you'll have all this. <laughs> so, so right from the factory, that was six options mm -hmm. for color. Six so that. That gun covers just about anything that people would look were, would be looking for. Oh yeah, um, because that tungsten in black. That honestly, when I used to do surcoat work, that was like the combination that everybody liked. I love it because it looks good. You got the the gray on that is just dark enough, and it looks good with black. And that's excuse me, that's my favorite color combo. Yeah, I've got a few guns of ours here that I've I've sort of coated that combination. It's just yeah. that that when when Cerakote came out with tungsten, that was like the color, right? I mean, it was yeah. just it was gray, but it wasn't like dark gray, but it had a little bit of metallic to it, but not yep. really. And I mean, it just every like the stars aligned, and that color was formed. Mm -hmm. Well, like you know. <laughs> I know you've seen like all the crazy stuff Davison's does. And like we yeah. have, like you can go on our website and there's like all the distributor exclusives are on there. And Davison's got a bunch. I did one for, um, talking about tungsten though. I did one for Iron Valley here recently, which was the old bangers. Now it's Iron Valley. They did a, um, they did a PI, MCP 35 PI. So, and a carry model high power, but with all the, you know, ops upgrades to it. So it was the fully tricked out one. 
but the whole gun is tungsten Cerakote. And we did it that way because they're Iron Valley. So they're based out of Birmingham, which was, you know, a steel production town. So iron and steel. So you've got, it's Iron Valley. So it, the color looks like iron ore. Yeah. So it, it worked out that way. It looks, it's pretty cool. And that gun in person is really good looking. The solid tungsten with a black G10 on it. So it looks real good. See, that's the cool thing about that is um, you, you're, you're a manufacturer, you know, you, with working with your partners and your manufacturing partners, mm -hmm. you guys could come out with some really cool stuff. Um, I mean, you've come out with some really wild stuff that is just like, everybody's like, that's the gun I got to have. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the advantage you have is you guys can take a little bit of that risk and have fun with it. Oh yeah. Whereas some people are just like, you know, other manufacturers just like, we have it in black. And that's <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of that too. You might get dark earth out of somebody. Yeah. So yeah. We, I embrace all the crazy stuff. Cause I mean, I like, I like doing different things anyway. So like we can, I can turn around special makeup guns pretty quickly. And that's another thing. One doing all this air freight and having a good relationship like we do and having the fact that we do, I can generally take idea concept to finish gun. I mean, we've turned them real quick. As, we've turned them as quick as 60 days, like 60 to 90 wow. days. And I've got guns in somebody's warehouse. Wow. Yeah. And that's what's, that's, that's a fast turnaround. In this that's industry. moving. And I mean, actually, I got one that lands tomorrow. It's flying. It's in the air right now. It'll land tomorrow. I've actually got a Xander Special Edition. Uh, it's a PI as well, but it's it's got some zombie green in it. It <laughs> loud. <laughs> and I'm a sucker for green, so I'm into it. You know. So I mean, you know, talking about doing something different that stands out. That's the whole thing. Is like this. Like the tip up's a good example into this. Is it stands out in the case? Like you were in a shop, you know. You look yep. down the rows of cases in any gun shop and it's you're looking for what's different black on black you might there yeah. might be a few brown tans pop out or some stainless but that's it but if you get cool two tones or you know gold like our gold guns do extremely well you know and for everybody who asks about those like man those are pretty we get this every show those are pretty but you can't shoot them i'm like it's titanium nitride it's stronger than cerakote is i promise you can shoot this all you yeah. want to. i was like it's not gonna yeah. hurt you know, but colors pop, man. That's what gets your attention. So like this yeah. one, there, zombie has got the zombie green accents. I promise you, you're going to notice that gun. Yeah. That's funny. Um, and that's, that's something you just don't think of. I mean, I remember that we were doing, um, you know, I got a circuit job in one time. It was an AR, it was a AR barrel and yeah. they wanted the flutes. They had the spiral flutes. They wanted the spiral flutes to be zombie green. Um, mm -hmm. and when you do some, some, it, depending on the gun, when you do some of that zombie green accents to it, it stands out. Yeah. Um, and it's I not like it overwhelming. So I'll, I'll sense you what they look like. So you'll, you'll, you can see how much that just pops and stands out. Downloading yeah. now. But the greens are, the greens jump. You can't miss it. And that's like the tip. Oh, up. that's awesome. So for those of you in the podcast on the audio side, I'm sorry, but for the video side, I will uh I'll pop these into the uh video. But yeah, that the trigger, mag release, safety, hammer, um e extractor. It's just that works. Enough. that works. 
just yeah. enough of color to really make it go, okay, it's not overbearing, but it jumps out at you. And you're going to okay. see that on a shelf somewhere. And that's the whole point behind that. And that's like, exactly, yeah. You, know, you got the G10 close. grips on it too. Yeah. So yeah. like the, the tip-ups intentionally are going to ship this way. So in the box, they come tipped up with a chamber flag in them. So when you put them on a rack, so, you know, depending if you have racks, you know, with stands or if you just lay them down, it's going to get your attention because the idea is to display this tipped up. Like we have like instructions like, hey, you know, display this gun tipped up so it shows off that it's different. And if it's yeah. different, people are going to like, well, what is this? People are going to pick it up and play with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You see, that's the thing. That's the thing I love about EAA is just you guys just have it doesn't matter guns are just in person you guys are all about fun i mean try to be it's, yeah it's just well, like, no you're wrong we have our serious side too but you know well yeah yeah you do life's too short to sit there and be this like this uptight corporate whatever yeah all well it's like it's like you go into shot show and like smith and wesson huge ass booth a lot of room not a lot of guns mm -mm. and people are just kind of doing their statues like, yeah Oh my they're god! All dressed, like, they're all dressed a very certain way. Now look, they're not in suits anymore. Yeah, they have let them yeah. light up a little bit, but they're all you know, and they're in their my issue khakis, my issue polo or button up shirt, my issue vest. You know, they all like, got to look the same. But it's like you go in there and you go, "My God, your shooter is Jerry Michelik." <laughs> you know, yeah. one of the most relaxed guys. <laughs> Would you guys right. like kind of just? crazy Cajun for a reason. Yeah. Right. Would you guys just kind of relax a little bit? That, that's you, you go to the EAA how. booth. It's, it's not, it's not that way at all. Look, I got several friends that work that currently work for, or have worked for Smith. And like, it's not a like, look, I'm, I own several Smith and Wessons. I like, you know, it's just when they have, it's just their corporate culture for certain things. And not a lot of companies that way. They're just, they have a very specific way they want to present themselves. And well, they're, they're, they're kind of like IBM, like IBM was in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. yeah it's sh shirt, tie, jacket. Yep. Um, I don't mm. think Smith & Wesson makes you sing the company motto, but, you know, IBM used to have that. <laughs> Walmart's still uh, boys. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing is it's just, it's very just, the, the company is very relaxed and chill. And Yeah. Um, I mean. I want to be inviting so people want to come look at stuff. I don't want if you yeah. if you appear kind of standoffish, then that, how you, that's not going to attract anybody over. No, you no, know, not at all. I mean, sometimes you attract people like some of the people we were talking about, but you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when you get when you get some you know crazy leprechaun that shows up that looks like it's a true. billy goat, um, you usually start running. That see, that's why that's why you made that gun zombie green, going after yes. the, the clover. Well, he's mad because it's not green and orange, but you know. Oh, well, there is that. Yes. <laughs> well, if you get me enough people that commit to buy one, I'll build him one. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like, if you can buy enough of them, I'll build them. Right. That's it. Like, I mean, we tell people this all the time. I mean, and, you know, for like distributors or even like a a bigger dealer out there, like we do with some of the buy group stuff, or you know, like, look, if y'all can, you know, figure something out you want to do, like, you know, our minimums aren't crazy. I think that's one thing about the industry. A lot of these industries, they want several thousand guns to build a special. Yeah. Generally, I'm depending on what the gun is and what goes into it. You know, you're like 250 to 500 guns to build a gun. 
That's not bad. So I can, it, within reason, build something real cool. For if you have a, I mean, really, if you have a large enough gun store, yeah, you could get a special run of guns. You I mean, could. not that I was saying if you're a small gun store, you couldn't. It's just that capital's a little harder at that point. Exactly. If you have a, a large enough gun store, you could get mm -hmm. a, a, a special run. Awesome. That is, that is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. And that's the whole thing is we're doing it where people can, you know, kind of branch out and do their own thing. It's like, you know, you look at the high power stuff we've done. Yeah. You know, when, two years ago, we brought the original MCP 35 out, which is a very st standard Browning Mark III high power, which is a great gun. But, you know, I was immediately like, all right, I want to do all the cool stuff to it. You know, yeah, this, this gun's good, but I want to make it better. And that's where the match and the ops came from is, you know, me and Paul were like, no, no, this is cool. We like this, but we got to make this way cooler. And so, you know, I was immediately yeah. like, fever tails, flat triggers, all the stuff. Yeah. Let's trick this thing out. You know, and, and that's the whole thing about that gun is, you know, basically you take what you would buy your Browning or, you know, the yeah. few other imported high powers from, you know, back in the 80s. And you would send it off to Cylinder and Slide or to Novak or to Mark III and who all do extremely good work. And there's there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But you had a, especially now, while the COVID madness, you had a gun that was 1000 to $1,500 that you now have to send off to a custom guy is going to charge yep. you another one, two thousand dollars plus to do all that stuff you wanted. So now you got three grand plus into something. And, you know, some guys can handle it and it's not a big deal. Some people would do that and they're like, man, it's really nice. But now I've got X amount of money in this and I don't want to shoot it. I don't want to care. I don't want to really hurt it. So what was the point of doing all that? Or you can buy one that's totally tricked out brand new for like the mash ops. PI match oh, that that gun is, you know, sub eight hundred dollars retail. You're talking yeah. like you're talking <laughs> seven seventy six for the most tricked out one retail. How do you beat that at that point? I mean, because you know, that's a that's the thing I'm thinking of is that it's like, um, you know, the Browning High Power is a great gun, but yeah. I've always looked I've always looked at the Browning High Power, and the looks of it have always been like, eh. Right, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a great gun, but it's just like, uh, okay. It's like um, you look at pre A one nineteen eleven. You're like, yeah, yeah, right. And then because now you're coming out with a gun, it's just like, well, if they had come out with that, you know, in the beginning, that's because yeah. because I I look at that gun and it's like that's all the stuff that I would be sitting there going, I mean, everything that you did would be a YouTube video that I would I would do. Okay, mm -hmm. we're going to take this and now let's make it look like, you know, something uh, fun. Yeah. yeah. So, so thanks thanks for screwing up a uh, a YouTube idea for me. I mean, that's what I do. It's okay. a stock gun. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I mean, that's the cool thing is you can buy that as a base gun now and go wild even wilder with it. Cuz it's already yeah. got beaver tail built into it. And it's already got, you know, a little bit of a flared magwell, but now you can start playing with everything else you want to do, which yeah. is you got a cool base and that's what like the guys at Mark Three, we had a good conversation with them. It shot like the, both the last two shots, and they were like, "Man, this is you know, that's such a cool platform to start with." And you know, especially yeah. like they were really excited. Like we were talking about the before we brought it out, like the beaver tail and all that. And they're like, you know, 
because there's so much option there. Now you got an affordable option we'll get into that'll end up buying the affordable gun and send it to those guys. And hey, I want trigger done and I want, you know, this barrel in it and I want to put an RMR on top of it or whatever, you know. Yeah. Knock yourself out, you know, go forth and conquer. And that's, that's the cool awesome. thing about this. Because that was my issue with high powers in general. Is it's not that I was anti high power and I was, you know, years ago when they still kind of made them. It was just they weren't yeah. to me. They weren't that special for the money they were commanding. Yeah. You know, use guns in that six eight hundred dollar range, and then like Browning still was doing the last of the, the last of them. And they were you know eleven hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars. I'm like, they had original hammers on there. Like for a gun that's going to eat me alive every time I try to shoot it because I got little hands and nowhere yeah. for this to go. You know, that's why we did on like our gun. We did the ring hammers on them, even on the standard gun. Cause you don't, you don't have that issue. Like I'll, like when I shoot it, I'll feel it. I'll feel the hammer touch, but it never bites. But it doesn't bite. No. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is, um, you know, I got a, I got a lot of hate off of, um, a gun review I did for a, a 1911 that mm-hmm. it, it was actually a buddy of mine. It wasn't even mine. He lent it to me for the weekend and I went out and shot it and I shot two mags and I was done. Like I, I hate this gun. And it's like, it, it, you know, for the price, it's, it, it's great for the price, but man, I it just bit me one too many times and you oh, don't yeah. bite the hand that feeds you. That's um, it. So, you know, I got a lot of hate in the comments. Like it's, you know, it's a 1911 and I'm like, oh, whatever people. Um, I, I've shot a, you know, I've shot a ones before and they haven't bit this one bites. I hate it. Yeah. It's, just because it's a 1911 doesn't mean it's infallible. I mean, the 1911 had its a fair share of problems. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just had 100 years to, well, over 100, well over 100 years, years to, to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, high power isn't much younger. That's what people don't realize is like, I mean, you know. Yeah. So it's many. It's been around modern, a long time. Well, yeah. So many modern yeah. pistols are still based off the high power to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been rolling for about an hour and 20 minutes now. Mm-hmm. Um, so where can people find EAA? So obviously, like we were talking about earlier, the website, you know, eacorp.com, all the new stuff is on there. So as we introduce new models and things like that, that'll flash up at the top. Like right now, the 14T, the tip-ups up there. Um, and you can see everything we make, like the crazy stuff we're talking about, distributor exclusives, all that's listed on there. We're pretty active on social media too. So Instagram's a really good way to get a hold of us. We're on Facebook. Can't do TikTok because they hate guns. Yeah, I've, I got a lifetime ban on TikTok. We did too. Um, I got a lifetime ban on TikTok. Even though I have gun content, they banned yeah. me for a knife. Sounds about right. Because, because I have a throwing knife and I was throwing it at a target. I got a lifetime ban. Nice. Yeah. That sounds, that's but, totally reasonable. Totally reasonable. Yeah. But for everybody either watching or listening to the podcast, I'll have the links down below. So if you're driving in your car, don't try to write this stuff down. Just come back to the podcast, go to the description, and I'll have the links to get to EAA on their social medias there. And uh, as we wrap up here, I like to do a speed round, and it's going to be four this or that questions and then mm-hmm. one thinking question. So – Nine millimeter or ten millimeter? Nine. Earplugs or earmuffs? Depends on the gun. 
because I grew up shooting shotguns a lot and I still enjoy shooting sporting clays and all. So I hate muffs doing that. But overall, I tend to wear muffs more. Okay. So I'll probably say muffs with a caveat. Pistol or rifle? Rifle all day. Would you rather clean a gun or reload ammo? I mean, I enjoy doing both. So I'm not, I don't see either one as a chore, but honestly, I think reloading is more relaxing for me than cleaning a gun. So I'll say reloading. I think it's a little, I think the methodical, you know, it just, you kind of get lost in the rhythm of reloading. I'll yeah. turn my music on and just go mumble world. Yeah, it just go out. Yeah, sometimes uh, you saw that. Yeah, you know, I spun the camera around. My reloader's over there. The TV's there. So I use, sometimes I even just put a movie on or something. Yeah. Like my um, guns, my guns that get clean, they hate me because I, you know, I precision rifle wise, I take pristine care of those. Handguns, yeah. ARs, eh, I run them yeah. safe. <laughs> like, no, they're they're I'll run a borscht. I'll pull a, you know, I'll head a little loop, borscht, borscht neck through it. And I'll make sure they're, you know, good. But as far as like a detail cleaning, yeah, I do not detail clean them like every time. That ain't happening. Yeah, I was, um, I was testing. I have a, uh, uh, an AR 10 that I test a lot of, a lot of stuff on. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a 16 inch barrel on an AR 10, you know, a 308. Yeah. So that gun, and I get the gas, and it's got an adjustable gas block, and I have the thing open all the way up. So yeah. that way everything's coming back. So it's Good, it runs it's dirty, right? Yeah. It's dirty, it vibrates because of that 16 inch, you know, it's a 16 inch barrel with a carbine gas a gas tube on it. It just bangs everything up, right? Super overgas 308. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and I love testing off of that because if if you have a flaw in your product, that rifle finds it. Oh yeah. So um I was out testing. Uh, I was out testing. I forget what I was testing. Anyway, I was test. I was testing something, and uh, it's funny. I'm looking at it here. I had. I. I, I bought a bunch of this uh, Bernal uh, 308. So Russian 308 oh, yeah. steel cased, right? Dirty as hell to begin with. Mm-hmm. And um, I read about I'm like, I'm not. Clean, I'm not cleaning this thing. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run this thing. So finally, I think about 300 rounds. I had to clean it at the range because it finally I was hitting I was hitting the forward assist too many times to try to get this thing to load. Oh yeah, um, that. but yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, gen- generally the you know I used to be so anal about cleaning guns and then I did too. Kinda, I just don't care. I back I backed off now. It's like eh, you can't over clean yeah. too. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, people listen to the podcast have heard this a few times. Uh, I I used to shoot GSSF. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I turned 21, the first thing I did, uh, being a Maryland resident, as I went right out to a gun store and I bought a Glock 17 and inside that little Tupperware was, uh, was the GSF, the GSSF thing. So I started shooting GSSF matches. That's actually how I got into competition. Yeah. Well, I was shooting at a match one time and I was starting to have jams and this is a few years into it. So GSSF, at the GSSF, at GSSF matches, you have Glock armors. They're yep. there. So I brought my Glock in. I'm like, I'm having jams. And he's like, he replaced the, the recoil spring. And he goes, um, I replaced the recoil spring. You're, you're, you're starting to wear that thing out. And then, um, so then uh, I'm like, okay. He goes, but your problem is you're overcleaning your gun. I'm like, uh-uh. What do you mean? He goes, 
well, how, how often you clean this? I go, okay, every time I shoot it, he's like, no, no, <laughs> you're over cleaning your gun. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, you know, like, five, you know, 500 rounds minimum, right? Or if this thing's going to be stored for a long period of time, yeah. because maybe even a thousand, maybe you go out to a thousand. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, overcleaning can cause problems. It does. Uh, I learned that one the hard way. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's whatever. I mean, I got, I have several different little 22s that I use as hosts for 22 cans. And anybody who's got a 22 can knows how filthy they get. Like, it's just, yeah. it's, yeah. it's dirty. And I will shoot those things literally until the slide starts to retard. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, all right, it's time to clean you now because now it's not functioning anymore. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to the point now that I've, I, 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 I run my guns I run my guns dirty except except for my carry guns yeah everything else just kind of runs just runs dirty it's just like yeah I take you know, it, things physically owe me like that yes I take a little more care of that when I shoot it and stuff but I still don't over clean them but yeah. you know yeah I'm not, I'm not gonna go dump I'm not gonna go shoot a couple mags have an AR then go pull apart and detail clean it I'm like it's ain't basic training yeah. I'm just doing that madness yeah there you go so for your final question, which is your thinking question, all right, I'm going to ask you to choose your favorite child. That being is, if you could only have one EAA gun for the rest of your life, and that's the only gun that you're going to have, mm. which one would you choose? Of all the stuff we have right now, probably... I mean, it's tough because I like high powers and I like, I like the P thirty five family a lot, but honestly, probably the twenty three eleven. There you go. Because I can that, do. I, that's an awesome. I can do a lot with. Awesome gun. I can do yeah, a lot with that. That's an awesome gun. And technically, that, since it's modular, I can have way more fun with that. There you go. There you go. Well, Chase, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I know you're hey, getting ready to hit your lunch time here, um, and I gotta, yep. I gotta. Get back to my uh, my day job. Uh, it looks like so. Hey, so I appreciate you taking some time out and joining us for today. Yeah, man, it was a good time. Appreciate it. Okay. I had a great time talking to Chase. He's always fun to talk to, man. If if you are down in the dumps, you talk to Chase, you're going to be laughing by the end of that conversation. He's just an awesome guy. Now. There are a lot of things that go on at SHOT Show. I mean, there are practical jokes from the content creator side. There's all kinds of stuff that happen. And trust me, it's a lot of fun. It's a great show. And if you ever get a chance to go, check it out. But the problem is, is that show is really only open to the industry. But if you want kind of like a SHOT Show Mini, you can go to like NRAM if you're an NRA member. Um, a lot of these people go right out of shot show and they start preparing because a few months later is NRAM. But definitely go check out EAA. They've got some great guns and they probably have something that you're looking for. Links are down below. Now for the product of the podcast, it is the smart mat right here from EAA. Sorry for you guys on the audio side. This one came right off of my bench here. And look, I mean, look at that butcher block. You don't want to screw that up. Trust me. I have a spot here that I, I did kind of screw the surface up because, well, I didn't have this in the right place. 
go check these things out. I have these things all over my mat, uh, my benches here. I've got three mats. And I got stuff laid out all over them. They're going to protect your surface. And if you don't want your spouse yelling at you for screwing up the kitchen table because you're working on your guns in the kitchen table, go get one of these. These things will protect the surface. Trust me, I had some pretty nasty chemicals on this on that that one that I just held up for you. It kind of shriveled up. And when it dried out, it went right back to its normal, um, you know, it, flat. It wasn't shriveled up. And it protected the surface of that butcher block. And trust me, I put a lot of work in that butcher block. So go check these things out. I'll have a link down below. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that right there. That is how to disassemble a Glock 43. If you want to put it back together, I have other videos on how to do that. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. And I look forward to talk to you again soon.